Good Monday morning, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. For episode 151, I am going to take a little break from polyvagal and the nervous system, at least directly, and talk about something else that is on my mind. Over the last few weeks, using the nervous system and polyvagal and holidays, I have talked a lot about self-protection, boundaries, and the three circles as it relates to the holiday season and how to regulate your nervous system and how to create boundaries around just the experiences you're having with activities and events and people during the holidays. And this week, I want to switch gears pretty substantially. And I want to talk about opening up and enlarging our capacity to be with other people and see other people. And this includes some of the difficult people or relationships or maybe even conversations that might be coming up this holiday season. So I still believe in boundaries. I believe in your ability to choose who you want to be in a relationship with. But I would like to add just a little bit more nuance and a little bit more information to some things to open up your heart for some new understanding. So outside of normal, healthy relationships, or actually even within normal, healthy relationships, we have an other. And that other is the person we are in a relationship with, regardless of the type of relationship. And that other person is very distinct from us. And in many ways, that other is more unlike us than like us. And that doesn't matter if it's your spouse or your parents or your siblings or your children. We are likely more different than similar because of our life's experiences. Each of us is a member of some kind of a group, whether that's a family, a place of employment, an identity, a culture, anything like that. We are a member of a group. We all have histories and we have prejudices, we have assumptions, and we have lived legacies of class, of status, of culture, or social categories. And that's a lot of stuff to take into consideration when we are in a relationship with somebody. 
whether we are trying to get to know a new person or whether we're trying to understand someone we've just met or try and figure out why our coworker acts a certain way or even tolerate people we find difficult to tolerate. All of those things I just listed go into the makeup of the other person in your relationship. And taking all of this stuff into consideration is really how we make relationships meaningful. And it's also how and why our relationships can be difficult and hard to, hmm, I don't know what word, hard to grow at times because we're trying to unconsciously and consciously take into consideration all of these things. So keeping in mind that there's always good reason to protect yourself and have boundaries, there's also good reason to open up to other relationship possibilities with all types of different people. Everybody you meet has a story. And part of their story is impacted by the things I just listed. Their, the membership in their group or their groups, the social status or location they find themselves in based on whether they're an introvert or an extrovert, whether they experience affluence or poverty, what their gender is, whether they work or they don't work. And all of these things are important elements to consider when looking at the other person in any of our relationships. And so as you think about the people in your life, and the people you have good relationships with, or the people you have rocky relationships with, or the people you would like to get to know better. There are many things to consider, most especially that every one of these people has a story. And the story is more likely than not something you have little understanding of. And it's because people don't usually tell their stories and we don't usually encourage people to tell their stories. And my spouse probably has a story, much of which I am not privy to. My children probably have stories that I know nothing about and so on and so forth. And it's time to consider being the kind of person who is willing to listen to 
or listen for somebody else's story. Every conversation we have has some sort of power differential in the relationship. If I'm having a conversation with my boss, that power differential, at least consciously, seems obvious. He has, he is someone who has control over my employment, so to speak, whether that control is exercised fairly or unfairly depends on who my boss is. If I am in a conversation with one of my kids, the implied power differential in that relationship is that I am the parent. Whether or not we operate that way or we believe that to be true, it exists on some unconscious level. I could be having a conversation with a coworker who has worked at the same place I have longer than I have. And I might feel a power differential in that relationship because my coworker has worked there longer than I have. It could be any number of things. And it could be insignificant, but exist. And it could be very significant, depending on where we are and who we're communicating with and what circumstances the communication is taking place. Those are just a couple of ones that I could come up with right off the top of my head that have to do with my life. If you are a college professor or a school teacher or a lawyer or a doctor, you are going to have conversations with people where there is probably a greater, more obvious power relationship between each participant in the conversation. The reason I bring this up is because it's important to see what that power differential or that power relationship is when we are trying to understand another person. Does the person you're talking to feel inferior to you? Do they feel superior to you? Are they more educated than you? Do they have more knowledge about a particular topic? Do they believe they are wealthier or more significant than you are? What is going on between two people in this relationship? And you can take these things into consideration just with the people in your family, the ones that you're gathering with this holiday season, the ones that you're excited to see, and the ones that you're nervous to see. Understanding this power differential in the relationship is kind of a basic step in opening up and being willing to understand what your story is and what their story is and how it impacts your relationship. Sticking with some relationships that make sense to me, 
the way this shows up as important would sound like this in a parent-child relationship. Let's assume I have a young adult daughter who is in the dating scene in 2023, and she's really struggling. It's hard to meet people. She's using online dating. She's using people as resources, and she's maybe not in school or maybe has graduated. And so there are fewer men and fewer ways for her to meet. And we're having a conversation about this. And I am 30 years older than she is. And I'm not experiencing what she's experiencing, nor have I ever experienced what she's experiencing. Because even when I was dating 30 years ago, it didn't look like this at all. And so in that very separated, in those very separated experiences, I as the mother am trying to give advice or I'm trying to fix it, or for some reason I'm acting like I understand when I really truly don't. And in that conversation, I am taking a an approach that makes me feel and act like I am superior and I have something to offer when in reality, in this realm, I'm completely inferior and I don't have anything real to offer except for empathy and validation and just support. And in my assumptions about what wisdom and knowledge I may have to offer her, I am not seeing her. I'm not letting her tell her story about what this is like for her because I'm too busy trying to fix it and I'm too, too busy trying to tell her what I think or what I know or what she should do. And that is not a place of vulnerability or a space where she is made welcome to tell her story. And the story about this time in her life could just be a story about this time in her life, but could, it could also be a story about what it felt like to date at 16 or what it felt like to date people in this group. And I could be missing a whole part of her and her life experience because I'm shutting her down with what I think is my wisdom. That's an example from that that's relatable to me in my life and my relationships. And so paying attention to that allows you to see whether you are acting as someone who is trying to empathize and validate and draw out a story in order to get to know this person better. In this example, my daughter. And by contrast, 
whether I am shutting down that relationship and shutting down that story and shutting down getting know, getting to know her on a deeper, more meaningful level at this stage in her life because I'm acting like I know it all, which is putting me in a more powerful, not really, but presumptively, position than she is. Something else I would like you to consider during this holiday season as you're gathering with friends and family and taking into consideration these ideas that I've just presented about being more open to seeing another person and understanding them from a different perspective is that every conversation takes place under certain conditions. And the conditions might include the place. It could be the workplace, it could be a restaurant, it could be a Christmas party, it could be cooking in the kitchen, it could be driving in the car shopping, it could be at a large family Christmas dinner. The conditions could include your state of mind or the other person's state of mind. So each conversation takes place in conditions. Are you the mother to a daughter? Are you the boss to an employee? Are you a mentor to a mentee? Are you niece to aunt? All of these are, again, the conditions this conversation is taking place in. And that's important to know because that will impact how the conversation takes place. It impacts how you see the other person and how they see you. Probably unconsciously, none of this is really front and center. You could be distracted by a million things, but these conditions impact the way we have conversations with other people. The conditions might feel safe to one party and unsafe to another party. And it's hard to know that even if it's you who's feeling it because we're oftentimes unaware of those things. They happen at the unconscious level. So as you think of these things, I don't want you just to listen to the words I'm saying, but I want you to stop and I want you to consider these ideas and consider the last time you had a conversation, maybe a more difficult conversation with someone and pick apart what I've talked about. What group do you belong to? What status do you hold? What power do you have in the relationship? What were the conditions that the conversation took place in? How does this impact how that conversation went and how you worked to either know the other person, dismiss the other person, or neither one of those things because you're not even thinking about it, right? These are important things because these things take place unconsciously and in our nervous systems. It is in our parasympathetic, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system where we feel the effects of these things. And based on how we feel about these things, we then have a behavior or a conversation or a thought or we act certain ways. 
So going back to how our stories follow our states, it's really critical to tune into our states, which is what I'm describing when I ask about conditions, group, social status, power dynamic in the relationship. These are all things that our nervous system takes in unconsciously and then creates a story about them. These things are connected. Take the time to tune into these things. Another piece of having a conversation with someone is the idea that two levels of conversation take place in any given exchange. The first level is the actual conversation or the official conversation. And this is basically just the words you're saying. It could be about cooking, politics, economics, the tasks that have to get done during the day. It could be about family members or holiday traditions. It could be about workplace issues. It can be about recreation, anything you're talking about. This is the official conversation. And then underneath the official conversation is the actual conversation. This is what happens when the underlying emotions get transmitted as we talk. With every comment I make to another person, I am either making them feel a little safer or a little more anxious. With every comment I make to someone, I am showing them respect or disrespect. With every comment I make to another person in a conversation, I am revealing something to them about my intention. Why am I telling another person this particular thing? What do I want them to get out of it? Why is it important to me? It is in the emotional ebb and flow of that actual conversation that determines the success or failure of this exchange. This is not conscious and this is not easy to tune into. And the reason we're talking about this is because after we've talked for several weeks about holidays and family and conversations and difficult people and the people we want to be around and the people we don't want to be around, I'm just throwing that all to the side and saying, what kind of effort can you make to be around all kinds of people? What more can you learn? What more can you gain? And how better can you learn to know another person, especially another person who might be nominally difficult? I'm not talking about people who are legitimately toxic to you. I'm just talking about overcoming some of the resistance to people who are just uncomfortable. So let's think about some ways to set up some examples. So every conversation exists within a frame and the frame is there's a purpose, there are some goals, 
And during this conversation, you are expressing unconsciously what those things are. So let's say I am talking to a coworker and the coworker has told me that she's found another job and she's leaving our place of employment. And I have all kinds of feelings about that. The first feeling I have about that is some sadness. I'm sad. The second feeling I have about it is I'm a little bit angry. And the third feeling I have about it is I'm really excited for her. Every one of those feelings is going to display outwardly and she's going to pick up on them. And I have to decide in an instant which one of those feelings I want to express in order to create safety for her to continue to engage with me. If I start with sadness, I'm potentially going to make her feel bad. And instead of having a meaningful conversation, she's going to be trying to make me feel better. If I go to mad, then she's going to get defensive because I have no right to have any real angry feelings about how she chooses her employment or what it is she wants to do and how she wants to construct her life. If I go to excited, then I have increased the potential for a meaningful connecting conversation where I can say things and ask questions that create safety for her so that she can tell me about this experience of finding a new job. What was behind it? What was it like? Why is it meaningful for her to go to this particular place? What does she hope to get out of this new employment? What is she excited about? All of that is open if I take the third option. If I take the first two options, which I am legitimately feeling, I have not created a framework within in which she can feel safe. In this scenario, I have lost an opportunity and I can't get that opportunity back. I don't know if it's important to think of all of these conversations or these missed opportunities as something to regret or be concerned about. The point is, if we don't start considering these things within our relationships, then we will have a lot of missed and lost opportunities. And those missed and lost opportunities keep our relationships superficial and small. Oftentimes we are in conversations with people who create emotional reactions within us of potentially defensiveness or stonewalling, or maybe we're a little bit contemptuous of their 
approach to something or we feel superior to them and so we don't value what they say so again looking at the conditions looking at the uh, ways that we see each other in the world shows very clearly how we react I say very clearly, but you still have to look for it and you still have to pay attention to it. And this is where your nervous system comes into play. If you are experiencing the urge to defend yourself in an exchange with someone, I want you to try and breathe through that. So a couple of deep breaths before you respond, a couple of just pauses before you make any kind of overture back because defensiveness is really off-putting and it closes conversations down really quickly or if it keeps them open they stay open because people become argumentative and it just becomes a fight between two people who are probably fighting over something that is not worth fighting over right so when someone is talking to you about their opinion or about their pain or about their frustration or how they were wronged or felt betrayed instead of feeling the urge or giving into the urge to tell them how they shouldn't feel that way or tell them how they're not alone in the way they feel or telling them something that is going to push back just stop and listen. Oftentimes this is present with the people who we find difficult in our lives. Maybe Uncle Jerry is cranky and curmudgeonly for a reason. And we don't know it because we don't know Uncle Jerry's story. And so you stay in a framework of openness and vulnerability, which is going to feel uncomfortable, but you stay there because you stay with the other person. This coworker of mine who is the going back to the story of the coworker of mine who is who is quitting and going to work somewhere else. My framework includes sadness and anger and frustration, but it also includes enthusiasm and excitement for her. My knee jerk reaction is to frame the conversation in those negative feelings. I have to overcome that urge and I have to stay in the positive and listen to her and let her tell me about it so that I have a better understanding of her story. This is a benign example, right? This is a non-threatening example of how to do this. You're going to have experiences with people where the conversation or exchange feels a lot more threatening, and you're going to have to do a lot more conscientious work of staying in a framework of just being willing to listen. And that's important. And that will really open up opportunities to know and be known by other people. I'm going to wrap this up by giving a recap of why I'm doing this and then tying it into the nervous system and then bowing out on this one. So 
I'm doing this because we talk a lot about boundaries and protection and keeping ourselves safe. And I think that's all very healthy. And I think that's a necessary part of life. I also realize without any reservation that we live in a world which is very disconnected. And very often we will give ourselves really good excuses to stay disconnected. And we will use them. And then everybody around us, including ourselves, to some degree or another suffers from that disconnection. The human being is a social animal. The human being is meant to be in connection with other people. I have talked about this as it relates to the nervous system. I will continue to talk about this. And the nervous system is the place in which we regulate all of the dysregulation that comes by being in connection or being connected to other people. And so it all works together for our good. And in light of the Christmas season, in light of love and peace and coming together and the birth of Christ and all that that means, I want you also to do something to reach out in a way that challenges you to perhaps somebody who is more difficult in your life. And if you don't have anybody, you can practice these skills with people you are close to, people you love, people you want to be connected with. But I guarantee you, if you begin to practice some of the things that I talked about in recognizing kind of the status or the social construct of who we're in a relationship with, the conditions, some of the ways to open it up so that we are more conscious about it. If you do these things, even with people you think you know, you're going to learn things because everybody has a story and I promise you, you don't know it. And this is a way to get to know other people's stories. And Christmas time is a wonderful time to find a little bit of capacity for that. I'm going to leave you with a quote by, it's from The Invisible Man which is written by Ralph Ellison. And the quote is, I am invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me. And have a great week. Mm -hmm.